Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone. It's been a couple of weeks since we broadcast last, and that was obviously the epic podcast where myself, Vernon Kay, Darren Fletcher, and the one, the only, the iconic Jim McMahon had a chat for about 50 minutes. And thank you so much for all your positive comments. We really appreciate them. It went down really, really well. And since then, Darren, you've been kind of, I would imagine you've been basking in all the glory of getting Jim McMahon on the podcast. But apart from that, how are you? How are family? How is everything in lockdown? Yes, I have. Been basking for a start, yes. I, I, I can't deny that. But the family's good. Everybody's happy. We're not ripping each other apart. The kids are behaving really well. The good news is, which is good news now, is bad news this morning. When I got up this morning and looked in the mirror, my hair was all over the place and really long. But I'm pleased to see that yours is too. So I'm, I'm the same as you in that regard. I'm also pleased to see that Simon, the producer's had the buzz cut. He's been chopped up because he, he's succumbed. But you and I are going to go through this together and we're going to be um, cut when the time is right and not before. So that's that's good news. Mine's the only problem I've got, Vern. I don't know about you. Does your hair grow ever grow? Does it grow long? Yeah, it does. It does. Right. Let me show you a picture down. Now, I know we're on a podcast. OK, yeah. so the listeners won't be able to see the picture that I'm about to show you. But my hair yes. has it grows, like you've seen as you mentioned it. I'm going to show you a picture that a friend sent me from way back in the day. Are you ready? Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow, yeah. Right. That's, that. that's, that's very rising damp. Who was it? Richard Beckinsale in rising damp. Really? <laughs> hey, look at that. That's a beauty. Well, you see that, you know, yours goes that way. Yeah. Mine grows up. Oh, okay. So, so I'm concerned that any additional lockdown, I can just about do the three weeks. If we do three more on top of that, I will be Marge Simpson. <laughs> so I'm really, really concerned that if I don't get out soon and Boris re- doesn't reopen the barbers, I'm in all kinds of trouble. I'm going to die it blue and that's it. When it comes to the crunch, Darren, 
of uh, the family members in the house, including the dog, who would you give the responsibility of the clippers to do your hair? The dog. Because everybody else would just massacre me. The dog would have more respect than anybody. I, 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 I can't even imagine it. Can't even imagine it. Tessa said, just leave it. Let it grow. She yeah. Prefer- she prefers it long, so I'm like, okay. The thing I have a problem with is facial hair because I'm still at that stereotypical teenage lad, 14, 15, growing a little bit of stubble on his chin, a little bit of a tash, can't complete the sideburns. Do you know what I mean? The sideburns with the uh, the moustache and the chin, don't. it's not a complete beard. I can sit and watch an episode of EastEnders and then have a shave at the beginning. And need another by the time it's finished. <laughs> <laughs> and that includes the palms of my hand. <laughs> so I'm, I'm totally the opposite in that regard. So I could actually have a long beard and then my hair sticking up like a telegraph pole. I could look a right parcel by the time this finishes. Wow. Yeah. Wow. You, yeah. You'd be perfect for, like, you know, undercover missions in the SAS. You just blend <laughs> in with any hedgerow that you walk past. Well, I could be a grenadier guard without the hat. It goes straight up. A little bit of info. I've been quite fortunate because I remember I told you the story a few weeks ago about buying that Mike Singletary book. And then when I opened it, it was signed. Yeah, that's I paid right. about £1.50 for it. Well, I've done it again. So bought a book, had it sent. I think it was one ninety nine plus post and packing. Um, got it sent over, opened the inside flap, signed. Signed by the legend that is Dick. Butkus, one of the all-time great middle linebackers. How do you keep finding these? I don't know. It's, because it's just a stroke of luck because it, yeah. in the description they don't say signed by Mike Singletary, signed by Dick Butkus. You just no. keep stumbling across these absolute nuggets. Yeah, so I've got two now for, for about a combined tenner, which includes post and packing. Two of the all-time great middle linebackers in NFL history, both signed copies, Mike Singletary and Dick Butkus. So right. I shoved a bit. Well, you know how I'm kind of Obsessive compulsive about our Super Bowl tickets. Yes. Well, I had a mooch around a certain auction website. Right. And I found a mint condition, lower tier Super Bowl ticket from the Superdome for Super Bowl 20. Oh, how yeah. much? Uh, I, that, yeah, we don't talk about things like that, Darren, do we? Not cheap. You know the rules. You know the rules. Yeah. Not cheap. <laughs> Not cheap. Not, not cheap. cheap, but worth it. I, I know it's not cheap because I was looking at something similar, right? Yeah. Because I never realized Super Bowl tickets had any value until you started telling me. So I'm fascinated now. So in my office, I've got two tickets. Two of the Super Bowls that you and I went to together. Minnesota yeah. and Miami. Atlanta. Atlanta. No, we didn't have tickets, oh, did we? So Minnesota and Atlanta. And the one in Minnesota... It's worth a fortune because it was the, 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 the Brady Carson went shootout with all the points and all that oh, because yeah. it was Philly's first win. It's like Chicago in Super Bowl 20. It's iconic because they've only got one Philly the same. So they were going for like four and 500 quid the ticket. If it's in mint condition, now I've got the mint, I've got that, the lanyard, the lot, but they're really, they're really collectible, aren't they? I didn't know. Yeah, they, yeah, they were fortunes, get, these things. That's why you get, I, I don't, well, I guess it's still a ticket tote, but instead of asking people if they want to buy tickets, they're the people that are asking to buy people's tickets at the end. Yes, when you come out, yeah. 
Yeah, so they're asking, you know, I'll give you 50 bucks for your ticket stub. But people don't realise that those ticket stubs are quite expensive now. You know, yeah. they're collector's items. They are, they are. So I was thinking of trading Minnesota and selling that so I could get Super Bowl Twenty. <laughs> but, but then I fear that I'm on a slippery slope, you see, and I'll start doing all kinds of deals. So I'm trying well, to back off. Well, come to me first, because the one that my brother promised me hasn't arrived yet. So we'll see. <laughs> because I went out with OCU Manure, remember, on that. Yeah. Uh, someone stole my game day ticket. Do you know the one in Atlanta? That, that, that's going to go down potentially as Brady's last Super Bowl, isn't it? So you would yeah. think that that would gather value as it goes. And, and on the one, I don't know about the one that you've got, but we've got the lanyard. I've got the ticket, which hasn't got a blemish. I've got the tailgate pass. And there's also a commemorative coin in the lanyard. That's right, yeah. So I'm thinking if, if that ever gets to a, a position of value, with all that, that's going to be worth a lot because that's the complete set. Yeah, it'd be really cool. And, and I've done that. I've framed my Super Bowl tickets exactly like that with the tailgate ticket. Uh, on a couple of them, I've even put in the the complimentary hotel room key. Right, you know, yeah. The Super Bowl emblem on. I've, I've yeah. They're quite nice little uh, pieces of memorabilia to have around the house. Uh, now, we're going to be joined by Matt Sherry, aren't we, on the podcast in a little while today. He's the, basically the impresario of Gridiron. And they're doing some great work at the minute to provide free content for everybody. Very, very knowledge about, knowledgeable about the game in general. But obviously, at the moment, they are a small business too who are finding it difficult in these times. So we thought we'd get him on the, the podcast today to try and help them out and raise a bit of awareness for them if we can do our bit, but also to pick his brains and get some genuine expertise on the draft, which is going to be on Thursday. But I thought we should probably just set the scene before we get him on as to what people can look for, because a lot of people who listen to our podcast aren't kind of dyed-in-the-wall experts on the NFL. Some are, some aren't. But a lot of the time, people say to me, just explain that a little bit because I'm new to the game and I'm just learning. And I like the fact that you guys don't become too technical, but just give me a bit of a ballpark as to what I should be looking for. So in, in this case, the draft is vastly different than it's ever been before, because basically they're going to do the draft the way that we're doing this podcast <laughs> on an Internet from the house. I mean, it's mad, isn't it? What's going to happen on Thursday night? Quick overview. The draft is where the nation of the United States, the best football players, college American football players, are literally touted as top trumps, I guess. And NFL teams, all the NFL teams, they say, do you know what? I'm going to go for the player who's the fastest. I'm going to go for the player who's the biggest, the strongest. So the NFL teams get to choose the best college players that are available to them, the guys that are coming out of college. And the way it works is the worst team in the NFL gets the first pick. So, for example, in years past, who have we seen? Famous first-round draft picks, Darren? So, we've seen Andrew Luck go number one to the Colts when they had a, a stinker. The first draft I ever was interested in, Bo Jackson was picked by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and never played for them, chose not to. Um, thinking about first overall picks, I think Jared Goff was a, was a number one, wasn't he, for the Rams, who played in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago with Jared Goff as the as as the quarterback. I mean, what you would say is that there's a, it's a real it's a real crapshoot whether you get it right or wrong. I mean, it's pretty much fifty fifty. I mean, there's no there is a lot of science to it, but it doesn't necessarily give you any greater chance of being successful with it. I think this year the number one pick is owned by the Cincinnati Bengals, and they will select the LSU quarterback Joe Burrow. There's no doubt about that. Um, we all know that's going to happen. They're not going to 
trade the pick. They're going to take that player. He's the best quarterback in the draft, and they need to make that pick. So there's no real intrigue or suspense about the first pick this year, but there is going to be one or two things that could become interesting further down. So normally this would happen in a venue, supposed to be in Las Vegas, I think, this year, in a gigantic auditorium with the commissioner, a load of players, and significantly thousands of fans, televised coast-to-coast in the U.S., It actually gets more viewers than a lot of NBA playoff games further down the line. So that's how big it is in terms of popularity over there. But this year, all 32 general managers have to be at home. They've got a laptop and they've got a draft board. They're on their own, where usually they'd have a team of people, scouts, etc. around them, helping them make their mind up. So these guys really are under pressure this time. And they're a bit concerned over there at the minute that one or two people could be hacked or somebody's internet might go down. You know, the, the broadband strength might not be strong enough when it's your pick, so you might miss it. Um, so there's all kinds of little intangibles that could get thrown in Thursday night, which could make it either very interesting or a total farce. I'm not quite sure what we're going to get. But what we are going to get is, is a unique NFL draft. It's never going to happen like this again. It's happening like this for the very first time. And I can't wait to, to sit up and watch it because it's, it's going to be great. It really is. I think one thing that uh, lockdown has has given us the opportunity to see is people's front rooms, people's living rooms, people's homes. <laughs> you know, because everyone's doing broadcasting from their laptop. So you can put your whatever you want around the house. So it'll be interesting to see, A, the players' houses, but B, these general managers and how they live. Darren, you've been to uh, a couple of drafts, I think, when you were broadcasting for Radio 5 Live. The atmosphere on draft night is really tense because it's make or break for some of these players because a lot of them have come from small towns, not a lot of money in the family. And this is a real opportunity to really give their families and friends a real boost What's it like when you're there? Well, it's the biggest night of their lives. I mean, you know, bar none. I mean, this is where you you go from being um, an athlete who's unpaid in college to a multi-millionaire in the space of a minute. I mean, it's 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 crazy. I mean, if you're if you're the first overall pick, I mean, the untold riches that you get sets you up and your family up for life. And as you say, a lot of these guys are from difficult backgrounds areas of poverty. They've had to work their way out of of whatever situation they're in and rely on their athletic ability, which has managed to carry them a long way. I've been fortunate enough to do two or three of these, and we did them in New York City at Radio City Music Hall. And it's fascinating. It's it's kind of an old school theatre where they have a you know, a lot of music acts. I think Barry Manilow was the next act after one of the drafts that I did. So you can imagine (laughs) the kind of place that it is. And you sit very near to the stage and there's a big podium in the middle and there's a green room at the back where you've got about 25 to 30 college prospects all in there waiting to be picked. And when their name's called, they come out, they're given the the shirt of the team that have just selected them. They put the cap on the head and they go and embrace Roger Goodell. Then they go and speak to the media. So straight away, it's usually Dion Sanders who's to the side of the stage and he'll interview the player live for NFL Network. And then they literally get taken around the room. And even us, uh, BBC Radio, we've got our own slot. Myself and Simon were there. Simon was producing. I was presenting. And each of the, the draftees are brought to your table. So whoever they are, number one or number 32, if you want to, you can speak to them live that night. So it's fascinating, really. Um, lots of fans in the arena. Uh, they've got... Um, merchandise and memorabilia uh, stalls set up in the in the foyer if you want to go and buy your draft stuff before you go in to make sure you've got the colours on 
and it is literally a red carpet event. It's it's pretty much you know when you, you were on the red carpet for the NFL honors at the Super Bowl a couple of Super Bowls ago. It's very similar the way the players go in. They arrive in limos. They're all suited and booted. Walk up the red carpet, the, the bright lights and everything else into the auditorium, and then their lives change forever. So it's it's a it's a huge night. It, it's hugely popular. It's getting bigger all the time. And now there's actually a clamour for cities in the United States to become the host city for the draft because it brings revenue into the city because people travel far and wide to be part of the draft in a way that ordinarily they travel far and wide to watch a game. So it is becoming a, a really big event nationally as well as for the NFL. So it, it's, 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 it's an amazing event to cover. One or two things I want to point out for this, just to kind of... I don't want to go too deep. We're going to let Matt Sherry do that in a minute because he knows more than me. But what I do want to do is kind of give you some ballpark things to look at Thursday. Basically, there are a lot of wide receivers in the draft. So if your team needs a wide receiver, you're fine. You might go down to the fourth round and still find starting wide receivers. So there's a lot of top-class wide receivers in the draft. There's a lot of top-class offensive linemen. So if that's the area of need for your team, this is the draft. We haven't got many cornerbacks. And we haven't got many defensive linemen. So if you need one of them, this is not the year. We've got three quarterbacks we know are going to get picked in the first round. Joe Burrow from LSU, who won the Heisman Trophy. Tua Chungavailoa from Alabama. And Justin Herbert from Oregon. So they're certainly going to go, I would think, in the top six or seven picks. Now, there's a, a quarterback called Jordan Love, who's one that they can't really decide on, who somebody might take in the first round, but we're not quite sure. The first pick, as I mentioned earlier, is going to be Joe Burrow. The best player in the draft is a player called Chase Young, who's a defensive end outside linebacker from Ohio State, being likened to Genevian Clowney when he came out of the draft a few years ago. Um, there might not be many trades this time because of the lack of communication between general managers and that inability to... Can you afford to, to make another phone call or WhatsApp call? You might take your internet out. So the, 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 there might not be as many trades as we normally get. Because let's just remind people that people use their draft position yes. as currency. One of the, the most famous recently was from the Chicago Bears, from OIT, right. who they It's called drafting up. They drafted up. They moved up uh, the pile to pick Mitchell Trubitsky. Uh, yes. Whether it worked or whether it didn't, that's open for debate. But they could have had a whole bunch of great quarterbacks before they picked Mitchell Trubitsky. Right. So when you look at it now, in the first round this year, and Thursday night is the first round, Friday night is the second and third round, and then Saturday is the rest of it up to round seven. The Chicago Bears, the Houston Texans, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Buffalo Bills, the Los Angeles Rams and the Indianapolis Colts don't have a first round pick this year. Say those teams again slowly, please, the Darren. The Bears, the Texans, the Steelers, the Bills, the Rams and the Colts. Basically, because they've made trades. So they've traded away the first round pick. The Bears lost theirs when they got Khalil Mack. Pittsburgh traded for Minka Fitzpatrick. Indianapolis had just traded for DeForest Buckner from San Francisco. Um, Buffalo have got Stefan Diggs from Minnesota. So you can kind of trace back how they lost the pick. The Miami Dolphins have got three picks in the first round. They've got number five, number 18, and number 26. The Raiders have two picks, um, 12 and 19. They've got theirs and the Bears. The 49ers have two picks, 13 and 31. The Jaguars have two picks, 9 and 20. 
and the Vikings have two picks, 22 and 25. So a lot of teams can get first-round talent. Six of the teams haven't got a first-round pick. So it's not as if on Thursday night, if you're watching it for the first time, every one of the 32 teams at some stage will make a pick. That won't be the case. So a team like Miami has an opportunity to get really good quickly. An op- a team like the Raiders, who had three first-round picks last year, they've got two this year. So they could add five first-round picks over two years to their roster, which if they draft well, and they tend to with Mike Mayock, the general manager, they can get better quickly. The San Francisco 49ers, a Super Bowl team, have got two picks in the first round, and one of them is at number 13. So this is quite a significant um, draft. It's a very, very important night in the NFL season, and I can't wait to watch it unfold. It's going to be really intriguing because there's a lot of chitter-chatter about various trades which have taken place already. You mentioned Stefan Diggs. I think that's huge for both teams. And I think that the way that uh, the draft will all pan out, it really does line us up for a really intriguing season. Tua, Tua Vailoa is a player to watch because he broke his hip or, did a, or suffered a really bad hip injury during the... Left-handed, right? Yes, he is. So he's very similar in the way he plays to Drew Brees. So they're kind of looking at him as being... They thought at the start of the year he'd be the first overall pick, but now they've got a big problem. Do you take the punt on health? Because you can't medically check him like you usually would because nobody can open up the medical facility and get people in. So there's a lot more risk involved to a pick like that. The fastest player in the draft is a player called Henry Ruggs, who's a wide receiver from Alabama. And they say that Henry Ruggs might be Tyreek Hill. So you imagine if you've got an offense like San Francisco, Kyle Shanahan, and you add the fastest player in the draft in there, to Jimmy Garoppolo and Debo Samuel and all those weapons that he's got. Really exciting for somebody. So there's little side stories all over the place that make this fascinating on Thursday. Nice. Should we get into Matt Sherry then? Let's introduce yeah. Matt, how are you? How do we find you during this lockdown? Have another of the interesting days. My wife's actually a sister of a haematology unit, so I'm currently mixing work days with permanent babysitting of a three-year-old child. So... It's it's entertaining. If there was a if there was a camera in the room, it would be very entertaining for people to watch. I imagine. <laughs> Matt, you're the main man at Gridiron Magazine, and just to clarify a couple of things, is this Gridiron Magazine that we have now related in any way, shape, or form to the Gridiron Magazine that we used to have in the late eighties, early nineties? Absolutely not. No, and funnily enough, I literally just had an email today from somebody who's just subscribed saying. I used to love this magazine in the 80s. I hope this is just as good. And I'd replied and said, I hope so too. I wasn't around for the one in the 80s and this is different. But, <laughs> but yeah, it was just one of many names that we that we had that was available when we, when we set it up. Can you believe that though? Back in the 1980s, that we had two monthly American football magazines produced and into the newsagents, Gridiron and Touchdown. And all of us bought both of them. I think it's great, Matt, the fact that you've, you've got one back out there for everybody to, to take a look at and use. Because it's fantastic when you get a hold of it to read it. Loads of great content in there. And I think it's really filled a void in the market. It used to be gridiron and touchdown. And then, of course, first down on a Thursday. We were really spoiled. But at the minute, there's only you guys that's really providing that kind of stuff. Yeah, it is amazing. And I mean, the interesting part is, you know, obviously, that was why we set it up in the first place. I mean, I'd, I'd had people tell me that. I used to just kind of be a a standard written journalist for the Press Association and, and pitched the magazine uh, basically on that basis that there were there were two 
at a time when I would say the fan base wasn't as big as it is now, and I'm and I'm sure we could we could have one. So yeah, and, and Gridiron has gone really well since then. I actually remember before the first issue watching Van practice for the London Warriors, uh, which was one of the pieces <laughs> that we wrote in the first issue on a cold night in in London. So yeah, it's it's amazing how it's gone. It's it's gone really really well and. Um, yeah, very excited about the future of it. I tell you what, Matt, he had short, he had, he had shorter hair and a six-pack back then. Yeah, absolutely. It's very, very different to the man I saw in front of me at the Super Bowl this year. <laughs> Matt, let me ask you about the British audience. How how do you see it evolving uh, from when, not just from when you started the magazine, but from when you, as a fan of the NFL, got into American football, how do you think it's changed? Yeah, it's getting younger, isn't it? I mean, I think the interesting part is there's still, to me, two very defined segments of the audience. So there are the people who you'd have been referencing there who who read the, the magazines back in the day. Then I feel like there's almost a, a gap of people potentially now in their, in their 30s. And then kind of that younger crowd, uh, 28 and under, I, I think is, is the growth area. But I, I do think you plug in the, that middle ground as well as more people get interested. I just think it's it's a very broad audience now, whereas it was probably a little bit more specific back in the day. I feel like we're seeing now a lot of younger people come into it. I think a lot of kids play at university and things like that now as well, and that and that helps. And, and hopefully the academy helps as well, you know, giving people opportunities to play it at a high level. So, yeah, I think it's a real cross-section now, which which I guess is very exciting for the people in, in NFL UK. Outside of the magazine, you, you launched a really good initiative, I thought, last week, certainly at this time, where people are finding it a little bit diff- diff- difficult to, to buy the kind of things that they usually would. You've managed to create a situation where you're putting out great content, but it's available to everybody. Just explain what you're doing, why you're doing it, and how people can, can be involved in it and, and, and digest it. Yeah, we, we've launched a little weekly digital magazine. I'm actually just putting together the, the second issue now. And, and and it's interactive. There's a lot of video and stuff embedded in and a couple of long-form written pieces. But it's basically done on a, on a pay-what-you-can-afford model. And we've got we've got kind of Neil Reynolds involved. Potentially, you guys might be involved eventually if we can if we can afford you down the line. But, yeah, I mean... <laughs> oh, I mean, I've seen the way Fletch spends at the uh, at the shop every year at the Super Bowl, so I know I know for a fact that that might be easier said than done. But um, harsh, but harsh, but fair. No, harsh, harsh, but fair. no, no, that's not harsh at all, Darren. That is an actual fact. <laughs> I think I think the the, uh, the merchandise stores at any Super Bowl they haven't had a sale until Fletcher arrived. It's it's going to be one of those scenarios, you know, where VIP celebrities. You might know a bit about this, Van, when they when they invite them in round, kind of the side door of a shop and take them round and get them to pick stuff off the shelves. That's what Fletcher's going to have in a couple of years, isn't it? They'll probably probably greet him at the runway at the airport. Matt, it's a really interesting experience when you go NFL merchandise shopping with Darren in Atlanta. Darren was out of this world, wasn't it? Yeah, insane. And Darren's the kind of guy when you try something on, you if you don't like it, you turn to the assistant and you say, "Oh, you know what? I'm not too sure. I'll come back and have a look later on." Now Darren just doesn't wander off and forget about it. Darren will actually wander off for another hour, and then when you think, "Yeah, I'm, I'm hungry now, Darren. I should go get some wings and a, and a coke." No, 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 no. I've got to go back and try on that hoodie again to see whether I still. <laughs> it's bang out of so order. You then spend another hour saying, Darren, you look fantastic, mate. Yeah, but do you think I need a medium? No, 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 no. Large <laughs> fits you perfect. 
<laughs> and I think Darren does that same thing that all NFL fans do, is when you try something on, you immediately think of your favourite player for whatever team piece of memorabilia you're wearing, wearing that kit on the sideline. Because there was a hoodie that we'd seen Todd Gurley wear at press night prior to the picture. And I'm like, Darren, you're not Todd Gurley. It doesn't matter. You look great in it. Yeah, but Todd Gurley wore it like this. Yeah, but you're not Todd Gurley. <laughs> Do you know, all I asked was, how can people get hold of the new Gridiron content? And look, I've had my character ripped apart live on the podcast. But I'm not bothered asking. Oh, it's brilliant, Matt. It's a great experience. So, Matt, let, let me ask you, are there any articles that you, or any topics that you consistently put in the magazine that you know are going to run like wildfire with the British audience? Because I think it's interesting that you've got the audience like Darren and myself who were there getting first down and gridiron and touchdown back in the day, getting all the VHS videos. And now you've got kids who have got an abundance of, of online content freely available. But when you write something or when you put something in the magazine, have you noticed trends that the British audience are specifically interested in? It really is the traditional old school, like long form piece that we that you'd put together. I mean, that is always, for example, issue 53 that we released before the draft issue. Uh, Simon Clancy did a big 5,000 word feature on quarterbacks in the NFL and why they get the scouting and stuff wrong. And honestly, the issue was sold out based largely on that on that piece. So I, I think it is more, certainly with the monthly, and this is out where if, if the weekly becomes something we do beyond this lockdown, we'll be keen to stress the difference between the two. The monthly, it is kind of long-form traditional journalism that, that seems to do the, do the best for it. Um, and, and yeah, I think the weekly, we, we're going to try and do more kind of reactionary um, opinion-based stuff and things like that. Um, and then hopefully we'll have a nice little cross-section of, of, of both things. And how, if people want to subscribe to the magazine on a monthly basis, what do they do? And just give everybody a, an illustration of how they can get a hold of the weekly stuff that you're doing at the moment. It's all available on, on gridiron-magazine.com. So both are in our shop at the moment. And then once you've subscribed, um, there's, a, there's a members area on the top right of the site. And literally you can find everything in there, weekly, monthly. And also, if you don't want to pay for a subscription at the moment, something we've also done is literally just sign up for an account on the website and go to that members area and there's like 40 odd back issues of the monthly magazine there for free so just while obviously this lockdown and everything's going on so people can check out 40 plus issues of historical content right now for free and, and have a proper look at it before deciding whether to subscribe that is brilliant that is awesome. absolutely superb but if, if you do want to do that you know you'll help it's great content but also at times like this we have to think about the smaller businesses too people trying to provide content and and, and keeping the word out there um got to mention at this stage as well national vintage league who gave us the um promo code for the podcast as well the fumble so if you go on there on the National Vintage League on, on Twitter or Instagram or, or on the website. They've got some great stuff, retro vintage NFL stuff. And if you put the, the, uh, the, the promo code in, you actually get a discount. So that's good as well. They were telling me in the week they've had a little upturn in business since they gave us the promo code. So they no, were I... keen that we mentioned it again. So that's great as well. Matt, let's kind of take you to the draft then. Yeah. Um, we've just given a bit of an overview on what we're going to be looking for on on Thursday night in the first round, the teams with multiple picks, the teams with no picks, 
a lot of quarterbacks, a lot of wide receivers, a lot of offensive linemen, a little bit thin on the defensive line and cornerback and that kind of thing. What are you really excited about? When you look at the draft and you look at the first round on, on Thursday night, what are you going to look out for the most? I, I think it's um, it's Tua Tungavailoa, the quarterback from, from Alabama, just because like there, there was a very real thing in the season where people, it was like the tank for Tua phenomenon that we saw with suck for luck with Andrew Luck. People thought this guy was the guaranteed first overall pick as a horrific career-threatening injury. And nobody really knows how it's going to go. Like, I think we all still think he'll get picked in the top five and, and we put him on the cover of our magazine having spoke to him as well. But, but ultimately, it could go any direction simply because you know teams haven't been able to get him in the building and evaluate him medically. So I, I think, and, and I think whichever way that does go, it alters the course of the, the first round from then on. Because if he slips, then you, you maybe have teams further down who you think have no chance of getting him jockeying to move up for him. So I think he will ultimately define what happens on, on Thursday night. And I think we're going to be fascinated to see when he comes off the board. The last player we saw, Matt, that happened to, famously, was Aaron Rodgers. And yep. he was potentially going to be the first overall pick. San Francisco took Alex Smith. And he ended up falling all the way through the first round to the Green Bay Packers, who were highly delighted to get him. Is there a possibility here that, that Joe Burrow goes number one, Justin Herbert goes relatively high, and then because of those medical concerns, he could tumble all the way down to a team like New England, potentially, at the back end of the first round, and they might end up getting a quarterback that can have a similar impact for them that Rodgers has had in Green Bay, and they yeah. wouldn't have expected to get him? I think without a doubt. I mean, we spoke to, for that quarterbacks issue I mentioned, we spoke to Scott McLuhan, who was in San Francisco the year Rodgers dropped, and they, they picked Alex Smith first overall. And he said, look, it was incredibly close between those two on their board at the time. And, that, and the fact that he slipped so far sums up the process, really. You know, he, he nearly went number one, ends up falling all that way. And maybe as well, you mentioned New England, who obviously have a need there at quarterback now, but also maybe a team like the Packers at the time, who had an established quarterback. I mean, Brett Favre was in the peak of his career when they drafted Rodgers. But maybe they look at it and think, this, this opportunity is too good to pass up. And it might suit us to have him on the bench for two or three years as well. I've got a thought in my mind here that I always think the shrewd coaches in the NFL are always a step ahead of everybody else. It seems as though, bearing in mind he's, he's signed a contract, a future contract with NBC, that this might well turn out to be the final year for yeah. Drew Brees with New Orleans. They've got a situation where a lot of people are talking about Taysom Hill, but we don't know whether he can be a starting quarterback in the NFL. And I think he's 30 himself, by the way. This yeah. is not a young kid that we're talking about. Yeah, a lot of comparisons are made between Tua's style of play and the Breeze style of play in terms of how he plays, the height, he's a left-hander, all these kind of things. I just wonder if the opportunity arose whether Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis might take the chance to try and strike some kind of deal to get Tua for themselves. Yeah, and, and they're also not frightened of making big moves up in the draft. We saw them do it two years ago for Marcus Davenport, the pass rusher, when they thought he was maybe the missing piece to get them over the line for another Super Bowl. So, yeah, I mean, when I said that, they're the team who, who I have in my mind for, for that possibility because I do think it's clear it's Breeze's last year. I mean, you mentioned the contract with NBC. I think Peyton has explicitly let that slip as well because it's a two-year daily sign, but it, it's kind of an option year the second year. So, so yeah, they're, they're absolutely the kind of team. And it might benefit too. I mean, we don't know whether 
what the situation will be in terms of whether there are games next year. But essentially, another year of rehabilitation for him might not be the worst thing either. So that could be a really nice fit. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's one, Matt, that's just dropped, and it's just come up on my phone via Bleacher Report. And Ian Rappaport is one of the most respected NFL reporters, I'm, I'm right in saying, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. So it's just been reported by Ian Rappaport that the New York Giants, who drafted Daniel Jones very high last year, have spent a lot of time researching quarterback Justin Herbert. Surely the Giants don't take Herbert this year after taking Daniel Jones last year. But that must be a possibility if someone like Ian Rappaport is reporting that. Yeah, I mean, at this point, you get so much, so many smoke screens that you never know. I mean... Ultimately, we don't have to look far in history. I mean, Kyler Murray and Josh Rosen were first-round picks in back-to-back years for the Cardinals. So, obviously, the difference there is that they had a new coach and that changes things, and that's not the case. Um, That is the case, sorry, as well with the Giants in terms of the coaching, but the same personnel man in Dave Gettleman who made the pick last year is is still in the building. But at, at the end of the day, just because you've drafted a guy high doesn't mean that if you think somebody better comes along and you happen to be in that position where you've got a high pick again, that you shouldn't pull the trigger. If you've got a much higher grade on Herbert, and, and Jones played well enough last year that you may not get the first back for him, but you could recoup, recoup a decent pick for him, and his reputation's probably better now than it was when he was drafted. You know, you shouldn't not pull the trigger, should you? I mean, if you've, if you've got Justin Herbert raced, rated as a, as a once-in-a-lifetime prospect and... Just You don't not take him just because you've taken a guy last year. I mean, I, I think you have to do your due diligence. For those uh, fans of the fumble and, and people listening who aren't really akin to the details of what goes on pre-draft, yeah. it's all about numericals. So they have this thing called the combine where players turn up and they do what's basically a physical test, isn't it? It's, uh, yeah. it's a medical where they do, they do corn drills, they run 40 yards, they do a broad jump, they do a vertical jump. And the uh, the trainers and coaches and staff of various teams attend. Some do, some don't. And they take a look and they grade certain players. Now, you mentioned there that some players slip, some people rise throughout uh, the draft weekend. How important are those numericals, Matt, in today's game? I think I think they're less so than than previously. I mean, I think most people rely on what they see on the game tape and on the field. I think. If anything, what they can do is is confirm something that you see on tape. So just say, for example, you've got a wide receiver who who looks 
relatively slow sometimes on game tape, but then you, they, they run the 40-yard dash and they run a really high time. That'll then make them look at the game tape again and try and figure out the discrepancies between the two. So I think it's a useful tool. Actually, some of the less sexy ones that they do at the combine, like, the, for example, the three-cone drill, which is essentially an agility test to see how fast you can get around three cones, are probably more important than the than the big big name ones like the 40-yard dash. Um, so I think it's part of the process, but ultimately, I mean, this is a 12-month process. Scouts right now will already be looking ahead to 2021. You know, they'll have done all their work. The general managers will make their decisions this week and, and they'll now be starting on the next class. So I think it's a 12-month process with a lot of scouting, a lot of time spent around the schools and, and the combine is then one of the final pieces of that as well. One athlete that stands out from last year's draft was DK Metcalf, yeah. who eventually got drafted by the Seahawks. In his combine, he was an absolute monster. A yeah. beast. I mean, a physical specimen of a human being. And he had a decent season, but it was amazing how much weight he actually lost to get set for the regular season. Yeah, so, so Metcalf's a great example because I think without, without that... Without the combine, he probably wouldn't have gone as high as he did and actually played well last year for Seattle. I mean, I think mm. there's some limitations with him, a kind of traditional wide receiver stuff like running routes. But the, the physical testing with, with, for him translated on the field and I think helped his, helped his draft stock. But, but what you, the point you make is a good one. These guys look very different at the combine than they eventually look on the field because I think Essentially, they train for this like a, a, an athlete would train for the Olympics, which is why I don't think scouts, they try not to put too much stock in it for that reason, I think. Yeah. I tell you, to just going back to that little bit of breaking news that I've just seen with Ian Rappaport reporting the Justin Herbert situation when they've got Daniel Jones, that strikes me straight away as a franchise who's trying to generate interest in the fourth overall pick. So if yeah, all possibly, of a sudden you're, I mean, you're, you're the Chargers or you're Miami and you think, well, I want Justin Herbert. If, if you think the Giants are going to do that at number four, then you're going to trade for that pick because you've got to make sure that you can get that, that QB. If, if, you, if you feel the quarterback is the key to your draft, you cannot risk missing him, can you? And I would yeah. think if, if, that's the Giants, um, if that's the Giants' desire this year to accumulate numerous picks, maybe another first rounder next year for a team that's desperate for a quarterback. There's some of the little moves that general managers make just to make sure they can do it. Yeah, and I mean, the interesting part about David Gettleman with the Giants is he's never ever traded down in his career as an executive. He was obviously at the Panthers before the Giants. And he, he's, never, he's never actually traded down. So, But I think this would be a good year to do it for them because they've drafted the quarterback last year. It would make an awful lot of sense. And, and yeah, I think... 90% of the rumours that people see in the next two days are generally engineered to try and do exactly the kind of thing you've just said, which is to create a market for a pick or, or something along those lines. Matt, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. No worries, lads. I'll, uh, I'll speak to you all soon. Thank you for the knowledge. Yeah, and if, Matt, you need me, best, if you need me and Vern to work for free on the weekly content, I'm sure we could come to some arrangement. I'll be in touch. Rest assured. <laughs> Cheers, pal. That's Matt Sherry, who is the impresario, we're going to call him. He's the head man at, at Gridiron, and what a fantastic job they do, not just with a monthly magazine, but I thought it was a really nice touch and a, a really good way for, uh, for people to keep digesting the NFL information by doing the weekly stuff as well. So uh, make sure you stay supporting those guys at this time as well while they try and do their bit for you. Exactly, exactly. Good point, Darren. Uh, 
Well, there you go. So, Darren, um, let's try and predict a couple of big stories. I know you're all over the draft like a rash. Matt's giving yeah. us pointers there. And uh, as we are broadcasting, we had that little bit of info from Rappaport about the Giants and QBs. So, one, you've got it on the board that Burroughs from LSU is going to go 100% to the Cincinnati Bengals. First two picks are easy. Joe Burrow to Cincinnati, Chase Young to the Washington Redskins. They are nailed on. There's no way that Ron Rivera is not going to take a, a defensive player with his first pick as the head coach. He's going to be the pick. So the first two, I think, speak for themselves. There's a lot of talk that Jeffrey Okuda, the best quarterback in the draft, would go number three to Detroit. But then the fun could potentially start if the Giants want to trade back. A team needing a quarterback might want to try and get in front of Miami and, and the LA Chargers, who both need to do that. And then it, it, it's fascinating after that, Vern, because... Four or five offensive linemen are going to go in the first round. Four or five wide receivers are going to go in the first round. But nobody seems to know what order they're going to go in and who actually wants them. So teams could trade in, teams could trade out. So it's going to be fascinating. But I agree with Matt. The most intriguing player in the draft this year is Tua Tungavailoa. Would have been the first overall pick had he not had the, the hip injury. Now he could potentially go in the top five. He could potentially drop into the 20s because once you get past the teams that need quarterbacks, maybe past the Chargers at number six, you're going towards the back end of the first round then before you find a team that might want to make the move. So where he goes in the draft is going to be fascinating. We will wait and see. Remember, it is live to watch from the GM's front rooms on Thursday night. I know. Uh, I'm not sure what time it kind of all starts broadcasting. It's, a, it's about you? midnight. It's about midnight with the first pick about one. But what right. I will tell you, for, for listeners of the Fumble, you might want to join us on Friday night on Five Live because between half eight and nine o'clock, we're going to do a draft programme. We're oh, going nice. to look back on Friday as to how it went. We're going to speak to one or two guests from the US and we're going to do half an hour on the draft. And because it's such a unique event this time, with it all being done from people's living rooms and all that kind of thing, basements and on laptops and iPads and whatever they can get their hands on, carrier pigeon or whatever it is at that yeah. time. So we're going to do that Friday and we'll do a podcast as well, of course straight off the back of it and work out exactly what happened, won't we? Yeah, because from then on in, it's all about predicting who's going to win the next Super Bowl should the season take place under Ooh. obviously lockdown conditions and with everything going on with coronavirus. But I think it's really, really interesting that a team who were runners-up in the Super Bowl in Miami have got two first-round draft picks. I mean, what more could you ask for as a general manager than two first-round draft picks to bolster the a successful squad will be mega exactly all right perfect thank you very much again darren really appreciate it simon as always this has been a shooting shark production stay safe everyone stay indoors help the nhs do your bit and uh, we will see you post draft next week so from me from darren all the best we'll see you next time enjoy the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.